Earlier this week, I spent some time at the Sutton Clock Shop on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. It's an Aladdin's cave of wonders, crammed with clocks of every style and age, some working, many not. And they're all making a lot of different noises, including different chimes. If you're in any way claustrophobic, this is probably not the place for you. The reason I was there, though, is interesting. You see, there's a lot of divisive issues in our world today, but there's one that frustrates, if not enrages many people, and it's got nothing to do with politics. How do you feel about daylight saving time and or the changing of the clocks? A lot of times during falling back, people break their clocks because they go the wrong way or they are fiddling with it and then something goes wrong. So we do get a little bump in business on daylight you know, saving and standard time when they switch back and forward. That's Sebastian Laws, owner and horologist at the Sutton Clock Shop. At any one time, the guy is surrounded by 300 to 500 clocks in various stages of repair. I figured if anyone has the right to complain about changing the clocks, it's him. Yeah, but then we also have to shop. We've got to change all the clocks, so that takes a bit of time as well. And you and you have to manually change each of the clocks here every single time that you do it, right? That's right. We have to manually move the clocks forward an hour, or if it's falling back, a lot of the older clocks you can't turn backwards because of the way the mechanism is designed, so you have to go ahead 11 hours. And then on the chiming clocks, you also have to stop every 15 minutes and let it chime out. With the, as many clocks as we have, you know, we'll, we'll start a week ahead and then slowly move everything forward. Opinion on changing the clocks twice a year brings together people across the political spectrum, from the biggest cities to the wide open plains. In March, we rob an hour of daylight from the morning and we add it to the evening with daylight saving time. And in November, we fall back to standard time and our evenings become dark again. It's a frickin' mess. And research shows it wreaks havoc on our biological clocks and our health. Shalom, folks, I'm Harry Enten. I'm a proud statistician, and this is Martins of Error, the show that looks at the stories behind unusual bits of data to see what we can learn about our world. This time, we're thinking about daylight saving time, something I find myself doing quite a bit. You might say it's a particular bugaboo of mine. Back in 1966, the federal government introduced the Uniform Time Act, which basically gave states the option to follow a nationwide clock change twice a year. Or they could opt out and simply observe standard time, which a few states actually did. Up until that point, the country had been a jumble of different time zones and clocks. For example, in 1950, New York had daylight saving time, but Denver did not. And then let's just say you went from Denver to Los Angeles, you'd flip forward again to daylight saving time. The Uniform Time Act was an attempt to introduce some kind of order. But as we'll explore, it's an imperfect and unpopular system. And the main reason it remains unchanged is that polling data shows that Americans can't agree on a solution. About one-third want permanent standard time, about one-third want permanent daylight saving time, that is springing forward, and about one-third want to keep things the way they are. But the more I read and studied the topic, and the more people I spoke to, 
the more confused I actually became about what's best. And I'm pretty sure this will have the same effect on you. I had heard of it because my grandparents lived in Nebraska and Kansas. So I knew at some times of the year they were X ahead of us and at other times they were Y ahead of us. That's my friend Alexandra Clark. She's from the great state of Arizona. Arizona being one of two states along with Hawaii that does not observe daylight saving time. For much of her life, Allie had never had to change a clock. Therefore, I thought she'd be a great candidate to help me correct some enduring untruths about DST. So what we're going to do in this segment is pretty simple. You're going to float me a myth okay. about daylight saving time, and then we are going to... You're going to bust through I'm, it. I'm going to bust through it okay. like a Princeton running back bust through a Columbia defensive line, which Literally should be quite Literally nobody listening to this will get that joke. Oh, well, Columbia stinks <laughs> at football, folks. All right. When I say daylight saving time... What is your first inclination that you want to say to me? My first inclination is that you're calling it the wrong thing. It's called daylight savings time. You would think so. I do think so. But that, my friends, is incorrect. It's daylight saving. It is singular. Why daylight saving? Saving. It's because it's saving the daylight. It's not savings the daylight. Right. You're saving money. You're not savings money. Well, I don't save money. I spend it, but... There you go. That's that's another way in which we differ. Okay, so what's next? Okay, I also read mm. that daylight saving time. Thank you so much. Was invented by Benjamin Franklin. Now Ben Franklin invented a lot of things, but Benjamin Franklin, in fact, did not invent daylight saving time. Uh, he he really proffered it up as sort of this joke, um, where he wrote a satirical essay in the mid 1780s, in which he said that Parisians could save money on candles and lamp oil and blah, blah, blah by changing their sleep schedules. But again, total joke. In fact, DST, at least in the modern sense, wasn't actually invented for about another century in the late 1800s. It was invented by a New Zealand entomologist, this dude by the name of George Hudson, who basically presented the idea because he was interested in catching more bugs in the evening. Uh, But it really wasn't picked up until WW1 to save energy, among other things. Uh, And it wasn't really permanent even until later on, which we'll get into a little bit later. All right. What's the next piece of conventional wisdom you want to throw my way? Okay. That sort of blows my mind because I thought it was invented for farmers so they could farm longer. That's what my mom always told me. So clearly she lied. Uh, no, farmers actually like doing a lot of their farming in the morning and the, you know, creatures on the farm are sort of used to it. And it's really hard to do farming in the middle of the afternoon when it's freaking hot, right? Right. So they like it, the idea of the day starting earlier and their cows, they have like a form <laughs> almost of jet lag and the cows really Cow don't. Cow jet lag. Cows really don't like the idea of a shifting sleep schedule. So farmers hate DST. This idea that they like it is a bunch of BS. Wow. Cows and jet lag. Uh, All of this begs the question, Mm. who is the constituency for daylight saving time, if not the farmers? A lot of golf courses love it. Um, Stores love it because they're able to go out later. Mm. Um, And 
police officers actually really like it because uh, crime right. may in fact go down because of the extra hour of daylight because people tend to commit more crimes in the dark than in the they dark. do in the light. Okay. Okay. So for the final one, we're going to flip the tables. I think it's turn the tables. <laughs> for the final one, we're going to turn the tables. Okay. I think of time as something that's universal. That if it's December and it's 12 o'clock here and it's 10 o'clock somewhere else, mm. then in, say, June, if it's 12 o'clock yeah. here, it should be 10 o'clock there. Basically, that all of the United States uniformly goes by DST. In to the that, summer. I would say myth busted. Yes. I am from the great state of Arizona. And we, in fact, do not celebrate, observe, whatever you call it, daylight saving time. But it has had some material impact on my life. Mm. As in, I call home. My parents still live there. Honestly, I don't know if I'm calling home at, if is it 6 a.m. or is it 7 a.m.? Mm. If it's 9 here. Mm. I just sort of hope my dad's awake, you know? So you had no, when you were a kid, this idea of flipping the clocks back or forward. Never did it. Never did it. 2007, that was my first daylight savings, I think. Daylight saving. Sorry. Now that we've established that daylight saving time was not, in fact, invented for farmers and that it did not start with Ben Franklin, let's move on to the heart of the matter. Why we still change the clocks when the only thing a majority of us can seem to agree upon is that we don't like changing the clocks. So why haven't we done anything about it? To help me tackle this question, there was one guy Twitter told me I just had to talk to. My passion for this topic is unchanging, but I've also gotten more informed on it. <laughs> That's John Lovett, former presidential speechwriter, co-founder of Crooked Media, host of podcasts such as Pod Save America, and an individual like me who loves to drone on and on about changing the clocks to just about anyone who will listen. We spend so much of our time talking about big ideological challenges in our country, challenges that tear, that rend at the very fabric of our society. But there are less ideological, smaller problems we are not addressing, thinking about, or even treating as if they're problems we can solve. And one of them is the antiquated way in which we change our clocks, that basically enough evidence has built up that the current system is not the best system. Changing it doesn't cost very much money. It doesn't raid the social security trust fund. It doesn't change the tax code. It just will make life a little bit better for a lot of people. And all it takes is the decision to do it, to convince enough politicians to be part of making some sort of adjustment to this ridiculous, ridiculous habit of changing the clock twice a year. John, like me, thought he had it all figured out, that the answer was obvious. Stop the time change and stick to a single clock. But then he realized America is huge and it's not that simple. It really matters where you are. And daylight saving time touches places very differently depending on whether you're north or south or east or west inside of a time zone. Sunset in, in Boston, Massachusetts is almost an hour away from what sunset is in Detroit. They're in the same time zone. And so these kind of complexities change how you think about what the right solution is. And I actually think in the end, a one size fits all 
answer, permanent standard time, permanent daylight saving time is probably not right. The mm. one thing that is very clear is that there's a lot of damage that is done by doing these biannual, twice annual, biannual will be every other year. Mm. I'm not going to screw up here. I'm talking to Harry. What I would say is, first off, I looked it up on this particular day, uh, the sunrise in Detroit is 48 minutes behind Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, so any policy you apply to both places invariably basically puts them in some sense on different sides of this question of daylight saving time versus standard time. I spoke with some experts on this and essentially, you know, we broke it down across numerous different categories, the arguments pro, the arguments con, uh, whether it be, you know, energy or health or crime, et cetera. And what I generally found was that within any category, you could find the pro argument and you could find the con argument, right? So like for health reasons, uh, the pro argument might be that you get more sleep when you're on standard time. But the con argument is that happiness levels tend to rise when you have later sunrises and therefore the sun goes later into the day. It's like there's no perfect answer when you sort of think about this. Yes, there's no perfect solution here. There is no perfect answer, but there might be an answer, one we really haven't talked about yet, and we'll get to it a bit later on. But first, I mentioned earlier this myth that daylight saving time was invented for farmers. It's a belief that persists, even though it never had anything to do with farming and was always about energy savings. But still, I wanted to put this out to all my farmer fans out there. So I tweeted at them. Turns out only two farmers follow me on Twitter, and even they can't agree on DST. My name is Joe Bacon. I farm in Wisconsin. Um, I really like daylight saving time. Hello, this is Angie, and I am in uh, Missouri, and I am a hobby farmer, and we despise daylight saving time. We'll be back in a moment. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Harry. Glad you're with us. Let's recap. According to the Uniform Time Act of 1966, states have two options. They can adhere to the current federal system of switching the clocks back and forth, or they can opt out like Arizona and Hawaii do and simply observe permanent standard time. Polling shows that only about one-third of America is happy with the current bonkers system of changing the clocks. One-third would prefer uniform standard time, and one-third would prefer uniform daylight saving time. 
From that, we can deduce that two-thirds of Americans do not like changing the clocks. And research does seem to suggest that clock change is bad for our health, our happiness levels, our sleep schedules, our road safety, and so on and so forth. But what to do about it? That's where things get tricky. Let's talk a little bit about the obvious options, whether we stick to changing the clocks twice a year or move to permanent daylight saving time or move to permanent standard time. As I mentioned to John Lovett, I spoke to some experts on the subject, each representing a different side of the debate. There's Dr. David Purow, author of the book Seize the Daylight, The Curious and Contentious Story of Daylight Saving Time, which, quoting his website, The Economist calls, quote, the definitive book on DST. I actually think the current system is a pretty good compromise. By the way, Dr. Prerau was a consultant on the 2005 bill that extended daylight saving time from seven to eight months of the year. Next, there's JP, who leads the nonprofit Save Standard Time, a California-based organization advocating for permanent standard time. Time is meant to be an objective measurement of the sun's position in the sky. When it reaches high noon, that is supposed to be noon. And then there is Scott Yates, who is good with permanent daylight saving time and who runs Lock the Clock. Otherwise known as me and my blog sitting here in my home office because I don't like changing the clock twice a year and nobody was really doing anything about it. I spoke to these three fellows at length and found that for the most part, their arguments fell around five main issues. Health, energy savings, crime, commerce, and geography. And the trouble with this debate is that I find that depending on who you speak to or how the research and data polling is interpreted, you can find compelling and convincing reasons for each system. Take, for example, energy. Saving energy was the main reason we started changing the clocks to begin with. Back during World War I and in 2005, it was again a reason given to extend daylight saving time from seven to eight months of the year, a policy that went into effect in 2007. And the experts can't seem to agree on whether or not the energy savings are real. Here's Dr. Prerau, who wants to keep things the way they are. Saving energy has always been one of the major reasons that countries are put in daylight saving time. The Department of Energy did a study, and they found a saving of energy of about a half percent. A half percent sounds small to some people, but energy is a big, big issue. And a half percent for essentially free is a very nice saving. JP, who wants year-round standard time. What we actually find is that it increases the costs of heating and air conditioning. When you're forcing people to wake up an hour earlier, they are waking up in the dark and they're cold and they turn on the heat in the morning. So we're burning more heat in the morning. And then if we're sending them home from work early at the hottest part of the day in the afternoon, then they're running the air conditioning more at the other end of the day. And Scott Yates, who is A-OK with making summer daylight saving time effective year-round. I would say of all the reasons to either want to change, not change, energy is probably the bottom of the list, right? There's a net energy gain, but it's on the order of 1%. And it's kind of just in the shoulder seasons anyway. Like it, it kind of washes out by the time you get into the middle of the summer or the middle of winter. I don't think that energy now is a good reason to do anything. Another big one is health. The research suggests our health suffers as a result of the clock changes. We lose sleep, heart attacks go up, car accidents increase, workplace injuries rise, the list goes on and on. Again, each of the experts can make a case. 
Here's Dr. Prerau, who wants to keep things the way they are. Most people with daylight saving time is nothing. They just live their normal life. And one day they wake up and they had an hour less sleep and it makes them a, a little out of sorts. Some people had, has very little effect. Some people has a major effect for a few days. Here again is the advocate for permanent standard time, Mr. P. The design of daylight saving time is to force early waking, but then we don't go to bed any earlier. So we end up sleeping less each night that we keep the clocks on DST. And Mr. Yates on why daylight saving time can be good for our health. So there's a study from Indiana showing that if you have permanent daylight saving time, that overall death rates, including from cancer and all the other causes go down. For mental health, despair is the word that the scientists use and that the trend is that despair goes down. If you have more evening light in places where childhood obesity is a problem, You want more time after school with daylight for kids to be able to play outside instead of sitting inside playing video games. Traffic is a big one. When it's darker earlier for the evening rush hour, there's more traffic fatalities. And so if you had permanent daylight time, you'd have fewer traffic fatalities over the course of the year. So you see, each side comes to the table with compelling data to show their system is the best for health and safety. What about crime? There again, the research is up for debate. A 2015 study found the switch to daylight saving time in the spring correlates with a drop in criminal activity during the lighter evenings. Researchers found a 7% reduction in robberies in the aftermath of the clock change. But there again, opponents, in this case, standard time advocate JP, don't think we can rely on a single study. And the effect on the economy? Same thing. Everyone uses data, and sometimes the same data to prove their point is best. For example, the golfing, gas, and retail industries want later sunsets so people will stay out later longer, while the TV industry wants it to get dark earlier so people will stay home and veg out in front of the television. The final big issue here is the matter of geography, something John Lovett got into a bit earlier. Our time zones are vast, and therefore people within the same time zone may feel differently about whether one system is good or bad. One thing I should note is there's a bipartisan effort to get America on permanent daylight saving time. Senator Marco Rubio from Florida has teamed up with other Republicans and even Democrats like Ed Markey of Massachusetts on a bill he's called the Sunshine Protection Act, which aims to make daylight saving time year-round across America, except in states and territories currently exempt. They can remain exempt if they so choose, but who can argue with a name like Sunshine Protection Act? Critics might say Rubio has a vested interest in pushing sunsets in Florida, Florida being the land of theme parks and tourism. And as far as Markey is concerned, Massachusetts sure could benefit from not having the sun go down around 4 p.m. in the winter. But is a one-size-fits-all approach really the way to go, whether it's permanent standard time, permanent DST, or uniform clock changes? To me, there's an obvious solution to all this confusion. And it's one I didn't come to think about until I began working on this episode and talking with Lock the Clock Scott Yates, who pointed out this possibility. It turns out that John Lovett shares my feelings on this. A very simple switch would be to just give the states a third option. Give every state in the country a third option and some time in which to make that choice, which is you can also choose permanent uh, daylight saving time. I think that that one small change, you allow states that want to switch to permanent daylight saving time the opportunity to do so. We can handle it. Our computers do the change for us. There's there's examples of how we will survive. We already have the state of Arizona and Hawaii who are mm-hmm. different 
than everybody else. And they seem to get along perfectly fine, right? You bet. We don't, we don't, there's not something where like, oh no, everybody arrived early to Arizona. (laughs) The whole convention is ruined. Supply chain failure once again strikes the United States because a bunch of people were an hour off on their delivery. Like there's no, there's no problem. There's no problem. Google Calendar does all the work for you these days. The idea that we couldn't sort of have this patchwork, why couldn't we have this patchwork? We have the technology available, no? Of course, a lot of the the concern about the health effects of the switch and of just being in the wrong time zone is that you wanna have life adhere to a kind of natural rhythm that comports with sunrises and sunsets. You want it to be predictable, you know, in a situation where we're not jumping back and forth, you might actually see a more natural evolution where parts of the country that are on the Western edges of their time zone might start the day a little bit later, but the time jumping scrambles that. It scrambles the ability of of local places to kind of find a natural equilibrium with where their sunrises and sunset are because it moves around twice a year. Ultimately, I think this is about what people just want for their lives. Like that's, that's the other reason I like this policy debate because it's, it's, it isn't really a moral question. It's not a, it's not an ideological question. Just, Hey, how do you want the day to be? You know, one thing I want to point out though, is this idea, I I know this will sound almost strange perhaps to a man of your politics, but correct me if I'm wrong is that we do a lot of things on the state level in this country. The idea that we need the federal government or that the federal government has to come in and do everything. There are a lot of things that we leave to, to, to the state level. There are plenty of issues on which we allow the states to determine their own pathway, right? Of course. And, and this to me is a perfect example of an issue that should, for the most part, be left up the state. It's actually, I think, a great example of how federalism should work, right? You have the federal government say, hey, we can't have this shenanigans of, of your jumping time here and your jumping time there. And we've got 40 different versions of the map, depending on when you go to say daylight saving time versus permanent standard time. That should be uniform. There should be a clear set of rules that everybody has to follow. But give states the option. Just give them the option. Give them the option and a period of time in which to choose whether or not to be on standard, saving, or switch. And once we do that, this this is a you will have I think um, you know a debate. Debates will move to states that haven't yet passed bills to already move themselves to permanent daylight saving time. A number of states will just instantly make the change because that's what their uh, legislatures have already um, passed. Uh, but um, it will be um, democracy in action is what it will be. It'll be our system at work. Harry. And, and you know, I love democracy. Um, As do I. We're yeah. just two couple of fans of democracy having a conversation. Right, exactly. But, you know, the other thing I'll just point out, just to broaden this out a little bit, is that in Europe, they've sort of had similar problems, right? With, with, with the EU opting out of it and allowing countries to do what they want. And this is something that isn't just what I love about this problem is it's a nonpartisan problem, but it's not a United States specific problem. It's a problem that we see throughout the globe, or at least within the Western world. Yes, it is. And then you see, you know, there's countries that say, oh, we're all on one time zone and that's that's another way to go. I don't, there are people that advocate for uh, everyone, just let's get rid of time zones altogether and all of us just be on, uh, you know, universal standard time and everyone's clock is just set to Greenwich Mean Time. And it's, you decide, you know, brec- breakfast is at 7 p.m. in certain places. Uh, I'm not for that. 
I'm not for that policy solution. I think that that is some hippy dippy horseshit. But um, I'm open to other. If there's a if if there's experiments in other lands on which we can uh, draw draw learnings, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. In other words, what I hear from you is we don't want to be you know one of these parents that allow our kids just to run around with no rules. We just right. perhaps don't want to be as strict as our parents were with us. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let us follow our passions. Follow our bliss. So there you have it, folks. In summation, as I've said, there really is no perfect system. But I think we should be more flexible as a nation when it comes to time. Let's allow each individual state or each region or group of states, whatever, to be imperfect by themselves. Margins of Error is a production of CNN Audio and Magnificent Noise. It's produced by Sabrina Farhi, Eva Walchover, Jesse Baker, Megan Marcus, and Ashley Lusk, with support from Lindsay Abrams and Alexander McCall. Our sound designer is Kristen Muller. Our executive producer is Eric Newsom. And me? Well, I'm Harry Anton. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.